hard rain and slow trains. Stick around for the next hour of Bob Dylan and his fellow travelers. It's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard rain. Broadcasting to you from KEPW 97.3 FM, PeaceWorks Community Radio in Eugene, Oregon, and streaming online at KEPW.org. This song's for you, Bob. Thanks for having Bob Fest. Welcome back to Hard Rain and Slow Trains. Bob Dylan and fellow travelers. It could have been a last waltz. Instead, it turned out to be rock and roll's greatest halftime show. So wrote Bill Flanagan of the hastily assembled concert at Madison Square Garden to commemorate Dylan's 30th anniversary of recording for Columbia, called Columbia Records Celebrates the Music of Bob Dylan. Although, truthfully, the October 16, 1992 concert missed the 30th anniversary of the debut of Dylan's first album by seven months. It missed the November 1961 recording of that album by 11 months. What a night! Welcome to Madison Square Garden. I'm Chris Christopherson, and this is Bob Dylan's night. On March 19, in 1962, Columbia Records released the first album by a new artist, Bob Dylan. Now 30 years, 38 albums, and over 500 songs later, Bob Dylan's universally recognized as one of the most powerful creative artists of our time. Backstage, we've one of the greatest collections of performing artists ever assembled, and they're all here for one reason, to pay tribute to Bob Dylan through his own songs. Hang on to that spirit. This is episode 180 of Hard Rain and Slow Trains, Bob Dylan and Fellow Travelers, and 180 divided by 30 is 6. So you might call this episode our 30-06 episode. As we celebrate the 30th anniversary of the 30th anniversary concert celebration.
type of thing before, but yeah, I think it can be very easily done. Just put some bridges out on the side and on Highway 61.
Harrison performing If Not For You, with G.E. Smith playing slide guitar at Columbia Records celebrates the music of Bob Dylan, the October 16, 1992 performance, now 30 years old, that we are commemorating tonight on Hard Rain and Slow Trains. Before that, it was the late slide guitar maestro Johnny Winter from the same concert with Highway 61 Revisited. George Harrison's two performances at the concert consisted of the If Not For You, You Just Heard, and the brilliant Absolutely Sweet Marie, which we have played for you a couple times in the past. In our November 21st, 2019 episode, Waiting Even Longer, and our November 25th, 2021 episode, Playing to the Big Crowds, Playing to the Cheap Seats, Bob Dylan and the Beatles Part 2. You can look those past episodes up and give them a listen. Thirty years ago at Madison Square Garden, Harrison also sang the final verse of My Back Pages. He was given that honor because he was the former Beatle, and he sang along for Knocking on Heaven's Door. These four performances would be his final performances on a concert stage before a live audience. In 1994, Harrison was recorded for the Beatles Anthology Project. In 1997, he played three solo acoustic numbers on a VH1 soundstage to mark the release of a new Ravi Shankar album that he produced. And the following year, in 1998, he performed privately at Carl Perkins' funeral. Three years after that, he had passed away, as all things must do. Harrison, like all the marquee names who participated in Columbia Records Celebrates the Music of Bob Dylan, was happy to appear in order to support Dylan, whose steadfast creativity and courage over three decades had become a kind of trailblazing myth for many artists 
and whose voice had become a sign of authenticity for those searching for meaningful experience in a shallow world. A world that Harrison, a decade before Madonna Ciccone, called the material world. Yet Dylan's commercial downturn and seeming sad sack appearances as of 1992 also generated sympathy. It seemed like most of the musicians appearing on stage and probably the thousands in the garden just wanted to hug Dylan or slap him on the back and say, it's going to be okay, that tonight is a night to celebrate. Why, Bobby, the long face? Yet Harrison was also disgusted that the money from the show was not earmarked for charity. Dylan elicited reverence and admiration, sympathy and compassion from his colleagues. But the Dylan organization and its steadfast commercial emphasis manifested a degree of cynicism. Dylan's road manager and friend of 30 years, Victor Mamudes, noted that Harrison was so angry he made t-shirts with dollar signs on them and sent them to me and Bob. The multi-headed concert of October 16, 1992 may have been at the same location as the concert for Bangladesh 21 years earlier but it was not conceived in the same spirit. What was it you wanted? Tell me again so I'll know What's happening in there? What's going on in your show? What was it you wanted? Could you say it again? I'll be back in a minute You can get it together by then You can tell me I'm back We can start it all over And get it back on the track You got my attention Go ahead, speak What was it you wanted When you were kissing my cheek You gave me that kiss Someone there in the shadows Someone that I might have missed Is there something you needed Something I don't understand What was it Do I have it here in my hand you wanted slipped out of my mind would you remind me again or would you be so kind has the record been breaking and did the needle just skip is there somebody waiting was there a slip of the lip what was it you wanted I ain't keeping score are you the same person that was here before? Is it something important? Maybe not. And what was it you wanted? Tell me again, I forgot. 
could it be? Did somebody tell you that you could get it from me? Is it something that comes natural? And is it easy to say? What was it you wanted? And who are you anyway? Is the scenery changing? And am I getting it wrong? Is the whole thing going backwards? Are they playing our song? Where were you when it started? Do you want it for free? What was it you wanted? Are you talking to me? Nelson at the Columbia Records celebrates the Music of Bob Dylan concert on October 16th, 1992, the 30th anniversary of which we are celebrating tonight on Hard Rain and Slow Trains, Bob Dylan and Fellow Travelers. The Columbia Records celebrates the Music of Bob Dylan concert occurred in the midst of what I call in the October 8th, 2020 episode of Hard Rain and Slow Trains, The Rock Era, which spans from July 5, 1954 with Elvis Presley's recording of That's Alright Mama at Sun Studios in Memphis, to Led Zeppelin's reunion at the December 10, 2007 Amit Erdogan Tribute Concert. You can look up that episode to hear more about it and debate it online. A hallmark of the era are the multi-headed, multi-act shows. Whether the early road shows with Little Richard and Eddie Cochran, Elvis Presley's tours with Farron Young and Johnny Cash, the early Beatles concerts where they opened for Del Shannon, the Springfields, and later Trini Lopez, through to the big multi-day festivals and concerts headed by multiple acts that often resulted in concert films and albums. By the time of the Columbia Records Celebrates concert, there had been 25 years of eventful multi-headed shows. Among the most prominent were the three-day Monterey International Pop Festival in the Summer of Love and the three-day Woodstock Music and Art Fair in mid-August of 1969 both of which started as commercial enterprises but ended up being key cultural events that captured the music and communal spirit of the baby boomers as they came of age. Here is a performance from Columbia Records Celebrates by the performer to kick off Woodstock, Richie Havens. Nobody feels any pain Tonight as I stand inside the rain Everybody knows The baby's got new clothes Lately 
I see the ribbons and her bows and the problems as they fall from her curls. Ah, she takes just like a woman, and she makes love. Just like a woman And she aches Just like a woman But she breaks Just like a little girl Ah, Queen Mary She's my friend I believe I'll go see her again Nobody's got to guess The baby can't be blessed Till she finds out That she's like all the rest With her fog Her venomines And her pearls Cause she takes Just like a woman And she makes love Just like a woman And she aches Just like a woman But she breaks Just like a little girl It's raining From the first And I was dying there of thirst So I came in here Then a long time Curse hurts But What's worse, who loves this pain in here? I can't stay in here. Ain't it clear that I, who oh, I can't fit? I believe it's time for us to quit. And when we meet again Introduce as friends Please don't let on That you knew me when I was hungry And it was your world I think Just like a woman And you make love Just like a woman And you wake Just like a woman But you break Just like 
Richie Havens, the first singer to perform at Woodstock on August 15, 1969. In addition to Monterey Pop and Woodstock, a third key multi-act concert of the rock era was the concert for Bangladesh. By the time of what were actually George Harrison's two concerts for Bangladesh at Madison Square Garden on August 1, 1971, the marquee power of Harrison, Ringo Starr, Bob Dylan, Eric Clapton, and Leon Russell was harnessed by Harrison to do some good for the Bangladeshi refugees in East Pakistan. Well, how else do you get rock stars to do television, huh? You either give them a cause or you give them an award. In spirit, the concert that most resembled Columbia Records celebrates was the Thanksgiving 1976 Last Waltz, which attracted musical acts ranging from Muddy Waters, Dylan, Clapton, Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, and Ringo Starr to celebrate the music of the band and to produce a concert album and Martin Scorsese-directed concert film that could immortalize the event and generate income in perpetuity. Capturing the intent behind the concert for Bangladesh, Bob Geldof's two Live Aid concerts in July of 1985 and five Live Eight concerts in July of 2005, 20 years later, were efforts to raise money to alleviate poverty, and in the case of Live Aid, famine in Ethiopia. Dylan performed as the final solo act of the Live Aid Philadelphia concert, but on the day of Live Aid, Dylan was performing on a bill in Little Rock, Arkansas with Willie Nelson, who, inspired by some remarks by Dylan at Live Aid, had himself helped organize Farm Aid in 1985, which runs through to the present day. Just a month ago, actually. Now in Little Rock, Arkansas, Dylan was singing I Ain't Gonna Work on Maggie's Farm No More and The Ballad of Hollis Brown for an audience at the Ray Winderfield, the now-demolished minor league ballpark that was then home to the Arkansas Travelers. In between Live Aid and Live Eight, where Columbia Records celebrates the music of Bob Dylan and Woodstock 94, the most successful of the Woodstock anniversary festivals to assemble three more days of peace and music. Unlike how he skipped out at the original Woodstock only to fly across the pond and play the Isle of Wight Festival two weeks later in 1969, in 1994, Dylan showed up and rocked and crooned through a 12-song set in Sartes, New York. Of course, the 60s and 70s were the heyday of the music festival, and there were many celebrated bills and tours. But the shows I mentioned here are the ones that have received the most attention and produced films and albums that are circulated to this day. A documentary from last year, Summer of Soul, directed by Questlove of The Roots, took us back to the Harlem Cultural Festival that covered six Sundays, from June 29th to August 24th. And of course, there was Altamont at the end of 69, and the multi-day Isle of Wight festivals of 1968, 69, and 70. The summer jam at Watkins Glen on July 28, 1973 might have been the largest, with 600,000 people in attendance. But the ones I mentioned above are the most important eight of the era. 
At the tail end of the era, in the 1990s and 2000s, a number of festivals and shows like the traveling festival of Lollapalooza and Sarah McLaughlin's Lilith Fair of the late 1990s, and the Bonnaroo Music and Arts Festival in Tennessee, and the Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival in Indio, California in the 2000s, all produced stellar, multi-headed lineups. Tagged on the end of this era as a postscript was Desert Trip at the location of Coachella in Indio from October 7th to 9th and then again from October 14th to the 16th in 2016, which featured A-listers Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, Paul McCartney, Neil Young, Roger Waters, and Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend performing as The Who. Some like to jokingly call it Old Cella, but what are they going to be doing in their 70s, I wonder? It was between his two Desert Trip concerts that Dylan received news that he won the Nobel Prize in Literature. I want to thank Bob Dylan for an amazing set that he did for me. We have never shared a stage with a Nobel Prize winner before. You know something? He's, Bob is like our own Walt Whitman. So I want to congratulate him. Fantastic Dylan rapped about the Nobel win backstage with the Rolling Stones, asking them what they really thought about his work sitting alongside that of other Nobel laureates. Oh, the time will come up when the winds will stop and the breeze will cease to be breathing like the stillness in the wind before the hurricane begins. The hour that the ship comes in And the seas will sail And the ship will hit And the sands on the shoreline will be shaken And the tide will sound And the waves will pound And the morning will be Yeah. 
The Clancy Brothers and Robbie O'Connell with special guest Tommy Makem, as performed at Madison Square Garden for Columbia Records Celebrates the Music of Bob Dylan, and released on August 24, 1993, as the double CD album Bob Dylan, the 30th Anniversary Concert Celebration. The following day, a VHS of the same name was released, which was later upgraded in 2014 with a Blu-ray deluxe edition that featured different camera work that had been captured back in 1992 with high-definition video cameras by Sony. It was one of the earliest American shows captured in high def, maybe the first major one. High definition had caught on in Japan by 1992, but it took many more years, at least a decade, for broadcasters in the United States to make the necessary hardware upgrades to facilitate high definition video broadcasts. Speaking of broadcasts, Columbia Records Celebrates the Music of Bob Dylan was offered through cable as a closed-circuit purchase, and it was also broadcast live through National Public Radio. That's how I heard it the night of October 16, 1992. I remember turning on the radio as Ron Wood was singing Seven Days, and I couldn't tell if it was Dylan or someone else croaking out the song. Later, PBS broadcast an edit of the concert on television. If you only heard the concert from the album or video release, you heard an edited and cleaned-up version of My Back Pages. One where Tom Petty does not miss his cue to sing his verse, and one where Bob Dylan slurs and confusingly gargles his verse about confusion boats less than he did live in person. There's a home base under fire tonight in the heartland. Dylan re-recorded his verse to be edited into the album three days after the concert when he was recording Heartland with Willie Nelson at the Power Station, the New York City studio where he recorded Infidels nine years earlier. But the raw live version is fun, with Neil Young joyfully taking a refrain by himself after a ragged and wonderful solo. I was so much older then, I'm younger than that now. Here is the ensemble of Roger McGuinn, Tom Petty, Neil Young, Eric Clapton, a raw Bob Dylan, and George Harrison, with Clapton taking the first solo and Young taking the second solo in My Back Pages.
gentlemen, please welcome Bob Dylan. Dylan from Columbia Records celebrates the music of Bob Dylan 30 years ago with Song to Woody, a performance that was mysteriously not included on the album, 
Bob Dylan, the 30th anniversary concert celebration, because as the liner notes say, technical problems prevent the song's inclusion here. Fortunately, as a listener of Hard Rain and Slow Trains, you have the ticket to overcome technical problems. And tonight, you have been given a ticket to go back 30 years in time. All across the telegraph, his name it did resound. With 20 pounds of headlines. Welcome back to 20 Pounds of Headlines, your news from the 1992 world of Bob Dylan. The big news of the year is Dylan's release of Good As I Been To You on November 3rd, Election Day in the United States. It's a brilliant album of 13 covers of traditional material and Dylan's first solo acoustic album in 28 years. If you'd like to take a deeper dive into that album, look up the April 15th, 2021 episode of Hard Rain and Slow Trains. You might live in a dome, cities where Bob Dylan recorded part 10, Malibu, which features interviews about the recording of the album. I remember Neil Young at the time, who had just released Harvest Moon, mentioning Dylan's return to the acoustic guitar and the unplugged phenomenon among younger musicians in political terms that signaled a return to the activism of the 1960s, a phenomenon seemingly heightened with the American presidential election, wherein Bill Clinton was elected to the presidency as the third youngest president in American history. After 12 years with the elderly Reagan and Bush in office, Clinton's presidency returned a young family to the White House. In June, Dylan had recorded an unreleased album's worth of material in Chicago with Dave Bromberg and his band. Most of these recordings have yet to be released. Dylan would perform 92 concerts in 1992, and importantly, he would enter the second phase of the third cycle of his career that had begun in 1988. This second phase was inaugurated with the inclusion of pedal steel player and multi-instrumentalist Bucky Baxter to Dylan's touring band for the first show of the year in March in Perth, Australia. The sound and character of the band changed with the introduction of Baxter's pedal steel and mandolin. During the European tour in June and July, Dylan begins playing solos that go on for multiple verses during the acoustic songs in his set, sometimes extending songs for more than 10 minutes. Early in the year, on January 17th, Dylan plays a version of Like a Rolling Stone with a band filled with all-stars for David Letterman's 10th anniversary show. Despite the stellar band, Dylan's vocal performance is mediocre and does nothing to rehabilitate his reputation that has been marred by poor televised performances from the last few years. His reinvigorated concert performances will do this, but it'll take a few years. In 1971, unemployment in the United States was 7.4%. It's 3.5% today. A first-class stamp cost 29 cents. It's 60 cents today. On February 1st, President George Bush and Russian President Boris Yeltsin jointly declared the end of the Cold War during a trip by Yeltsin to the United States. In April, four LAPD officers are acquitted of beating Rodney King, setting off riots that would go on for six days. 1992 was a year for the Olympics. It was the last time the Summer and Winter Olympics would be held in the same year. The Winter Olympics were in Albertville, France, and the Summer Olympics were in Barcelona. The Washington Redskins defeated the Buffalo Bills, the second of four consecutive Super Bowl losses for the Bills in Super Bowl 26. The Toronto Blue Jays beat the Atlanta Braves in the World Series four games to two. 
Johnny Carson hosted his final Tonight Show after being on the air for 20 years. At the Academy Awards in March, The Silence of the Lambs won Best Picture. At the movie theater, you could see The Crying Game, Scent of a Woman, Glen Gary Glen Ross, Howard's End, The Last of the Mohicans, Bram Stoker's Dracula, or Unforgiven, which went on to win Best Picture, Best Director for Clint Eastwood, and Best Supporting Actor for Gene Hackman at the Academy Awards in 1993. From the great Atlantic Ocean to the wide Pacific shore. 1992 saw the death of Willie Dixon, Lawrence Welk, Mary Wells, John Cage, Roy Acuff, as well as Psycho star Anthony Perkins. Just like Tony Perkins. Also leaving us that year was Marlena Dietrich. How do you do, Mr. Roy's told me all about you. Oh. Oh, well. <laughs> no need to ask if you enjoyed your trip, Miss Chester. I know Roy's talent for entertaining on shipboard. A few more who passed away in 1992 were Benny Hill, director John Sturgis, comedian Sam Kinison, and science fiction author Isaac Asimov. Oh yeah, and Beasley the Dog from Turner and Hooch. Y'all remember that, right? People disagree in every way you look. Makes you want to stop and read a book. The New York Times published a sneak peek into two chapters of Dylan's forthcoming The Philosophy of Modern Song in Thursday, October 13th's paper. The selections include Dylan's reflections on Frank Sinatra's Strangers in the Night and The Who's My Generation. The online version of the article is accompanied by audio clips of Dylan reading part of his writing about Strangers in the Night and Oscar Isaac reading part of Dylan's reflections on My Generation. Here is a sample from Dylan's reflections on Strangers in the Night. Strangers in the Night. You got a tough persona like a side of beef, and you're aroused and stimulated with an ear-to-ear grin like a Cheshire cat. And you're rethinking your entire formless life, and your entire being is filled with a whiff of this heady ambrosia, something in your vital spirit, your pulse, something that runs in the blood, tells you that you must have this tender feeling of love now and forever. This essence of devoted love held tightly in your grip. That is essential and necessary for staying alive and cheating death. Intruders, oddballs, kooks, and villains in this gloomy, lifeless, and dark fight for space. Two rootless, alienated people, withdrawn and isolated, open the door to each other, said aloha, howdy, how you doing, and good evening. How could you have known that this smooching and petting eros and adoration was just one breakdown mambo hustle away, one far-sighted, google-eyed look and a lusty leer, that ever since then, that moment of truth you've been steamed up, head over heels, each other's heart's desire, sweethearts and honeys, right from the beginning, right from the inaugural sideline sneak peek, the origin, the starting point. Now you're yoked together, one flesh in perpetuity into the vast eternity immortalized. Dylan wrapped up a three-night residency at the Gras Rex in Paris on Thursday. Then it was on to Brussels on Saturday, Amsterdam on Sunday, the 30th anniversary of Columbia Records celebrates the music of Bob Dylan, and also Monday. And then he begins a four-night residency at the London Palladium next Wednesday before traveling on to Cardiff, Hall, Nottingham, Glasgow, Manchester, Oxford, Burnmouth, and Dublin.
Hard Rain and Slow Train's listener John Olson from Arlington went up to New York City for the T-Bone Burnett-produced tribute to Bob Dylan marking the centennial of the Town Hall venue and also marking the 59th and a half anniversary of Bob Dylan's April 12th, 1963 concert at Town Hall. A concert I'm sure we will be featuring in next year's A Highway of Diamonds in April, if I can keep this train a-running. Anyway, John generously provided us with this review. Just got back from New York City. Friday's night performance was awesome. The real knockout for me and for the others in my group was Margaret Glassby's version of Positively 4th Street, with just Julian Lage and Bill Frizzell backing her up. Glassby has a wonderful voice, and she really found some new ways to voice many of the lyrics. The arrangement was really cool as well. In fact, with the exception of Joe Henry, who kept his interpretations fairly straight, which is not a knock on him, all the songs had really imaginative arrangements. Henry looked and sounded great after a recent health scare, and actually emceed the whole event. Oscar Isaac's two songs, particularly Tangled Up in Blue with the Punch Brothers backing him up, generated the most energy with the audience. I also liked the Punch Brothers' version of It's Alright Ma, I'm Only Bleeding, which seemed to be played at twice the normal speed. Mumu Fresh came out looking like nobody else we'd seen that night, accompanied by guitarist Mark Ribot on acoustic guitar, who sat down and I'm pretty sure never looked up. Fresh proceeded to do a knockout take on All Along the Watchtower. She had a dynamite voice, and Rabot was strangely perfect. The only time we saw T-Bone Burnett was when he came out for the grand finale, everyone on stage running through Rainy Day Women number 12 and 35. He sang the first verse, including, They'll stone you when you win the Nobel, they'll stone you when you go electric, and then belted out choruses with everyone else. They said they were filming and recording the event, so I imagine you'll get to see it eventually. Thanks, John. John sent along some pictures from the show, which I'll post on the Patreon page for Hard Rain and Slow Trains for Patreon members to look at. And that's the news both 30 years ago and today in the world of Bob Dylan. If you enjoy what we're doing here on Hard Rain and Slow Trains, Bob Dylan and fellow travelers, and if you are in a position to help, we know times, as well as the rain, can be hard. Consider supporting the show through Patreon. Simply go to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, where you can look up Hard Rain and Slow Trains and pledge $3 a month, which gives you access to behind-the-scenes articles on the episodes, $10 a month, which provides access to the complete playlists for all the episodes, or $30 a month. Anything you donate goes back into Hard Rain and Slow Trains to help keep the show going, which is produced for KEPW as an all-volunteer labor of love. All three years' worth of episodes are available for free on the Hard Rain and Slow Trains webpage and your favorite podcasting app. But producing and archiving the show does take money. If you're already a patron, thank you. And whether or not you can support the show, please consider writing a review of Hard Rain and Slow Trains through the podcasting app you use. It's a little thing you can do to help us out. Also, don't be a stranger. You can contact us through Twitter at Rain Trains to let us know how we're doing, make suggestions, or participate in the conversation about Bob Dylan and his fellow travelers pulling through the hard rain on that slow train.
located between 7th and 8th Avenues and 31st and 33rd Streets in Manhattan, named after 4th President of the United States James Madison. Madison Square Garden is the fourth such venue at that location, the first being leased by P.T. Barnum and the second owned by J.P. Morgan, Andrew Carnegie, P.T. Barnum, Darius Mills, James Stillman, and W.W. Astor. Wow, those are some names, eh? The third garden was built by boxing promoter Tex Rickard. The present garden broke ground in 1964 and was finished in February of 1968. It is the home of the New York Knicks and the home of the hockey team, the New York Rangers. It hosted the first Ali Frazier boxing match, the fight of the century, in 1971, which Bob Dylan and his wife Sarah attended. Hulk Hogan won his first World Heavyweight Championship there in 1984, defeating Hossein Kajo Vaziri, the Iron Sheik. And the Garden hosted the first ever WrestleMania the following year. Billy Joel has played there more than any other act, appearing at the Garden in 129 shows. He has celebrated it by saying, Madison Square Garden is the center of the universe as far as I'm concerned. It is the best acoustics, the best audiences, the best reputation, and the best history of great artists who have played there. It is the iconic holy temple of rock and roll for most touring acts, and being a New Yorker, it holds a special significance to me. Before the October 16, 1992 Columbia Records celebrates the music of Bob Dylan, Dylan performed at Madison Square Garden in 11 concerts. After the October 16, 1992 concert, he also performed at the Garden an additional 11 times, meaning that he has performed there a total of 23 times. The Garden has hosted more high-profile concerts and events than any other venue in New York City, so if you're looking to get lucky or silly, just take the A train up from West 4th Street and Washington Square to Penn Station. There you won't find Rue Morgue Avenue, but you will find Madison Square Garden. And if it's October 16th of 1992, you'll find Neil Young singing Just Like Tom Thumb's Blues.
part of the goddess of food She speaks good English as she invites you up into her room And you're so kind, so gentle not to go to her too soon And she steals your voice and leaves you howling at the moon
she speaks like silence Without ideals of life Don't have to say she's faithful If she's true like ice, like fire
Eric Clapton with a lovely rendition of Love Minus Zero No Limit from Columbia Records celebrates the music of Bob Dylan. Clapton also delivered a bluesy version of Don't Think Twice, It's Alright that night, but we don't have time to play it. His guitar playing was melodic and his tone was perfect that night. Before that, it was Chrissy Hind with I Shall Be Released. 1992 was the year before Sheryl Crow hit it big with Tuesday Night Music Club, and she was actually singing backup for Chrissy Hind on that. I love that version. Chrissy Hind remains the coolest person on the planet. If you agree, look up the June 10th, 2021 episode of Hard Rain and Slow Trains, Bob Dylan and Fellow Travelers, titled The Great Pretender, the music of Chrissy Hind, and you can hear more of her covers of Bob Dylan as well as her own music. And of course, we started that set off with Neil Young tearing through just like Tom Thumb's blues. In the concert, Young immediately followed that up with All Along the Watchtower. It's time once again for Who Did It Better? This is your chance to vote for whose version of the song of the week you think is better. Go to our Twitter page at Earth and vote for who did it better. Last week on Who Did It Better, we asked you to tell us which version of Mississippi was better. The 1996 version that Dylan recorded at the Teatro in Oxnard, California. Every step of the way, we walk the line. The 1997 outtake number two from Criteria Recording Studios in Miami. Or outtake number three, the one with the lyrical variations, also recorded at Criteria. Days are numbered, so am I. And with 55% of the vote, you conclusively told us that the Teatro version was better. That's two weeks in a row that you've told us that you prefer the earlier Time Out of Mind demos recorded in Oxnard to the Miami versions. We'll see what other treasures from the Teatro and Oxnard will be waiting for us whenever the rumored Time Out of Mind box set is announced. Unfortunately, fewer of you are voting, so it's time to two-step it on back to a two-way poll. Please share this episode with anyone who you may think is interested and encourage everyone to participate in the poll on Twitter. Columbia Records celebrates the music of Bob Dylan featured 30 different musical acts. Yet for all the talent up on the stage, there were some longtime friends and colleagues of Dylan's whose absence was apparent. Elvis Costello was scheduled to sing Positively 4th Street, and Van Morrison was scheduled to sing Just Like a Woman, but neither could make it. Additionally, there are some whose absence is puzzling. Joan Baez, Bruce Springsteen, Ringo Starr, one would expect him to be there as much as Eric Clapton, not so much Pete Seeger, but where were Dave Von Ronk, Mark Knopfler, and the Grateful Dead? Each of these performers had long-standing and deep roots with Dylan by 1992. Neither the Dead nor the Jerry Garcia Band had a concert the evening of October 16th because a Dead Fall concert tour had been canceled when Garcia had earlier collapsed due to heart problems. He might not have been at Madison Square Garden, but Jerry Garcia will be here tonight as we ask you to tell us which live version of When I Paint My Masterpiece is better. The one performed by the band, 
then featuring Levon Helm, Rick Danko, and Garth Hudson, along with the late Richard Bell on accordion and Jim Wider on guitar and vocals, or the live version by Jerry Garcia and John Kahn from January 27, 1986, that was just released two years ago on Garcia Live Volume 14, a version that Joe Blistein from Rolling Stone described as a fully stripped-down take of the song, with just guitar and bass skipping and tumbling alongside each other. Vocally, Garcia is in fine form as well, pushing his voice right up to the edge of a raspy wail, while still keeping the vibe totally intact. As he sings, I left Rome and landed in Brussels on a plane ride so bumpy that I almost cried. On Friday night, Dylan lands in Brussels on his rough and rowdy ways tour. No doubt when I paint my masterpiece will be the fifth song of the set, and that line will get a big cheer. Thirty years ago, he and his former bandmates, though, were at Madison Square Garden. Listen to these two live versions of When I Paint My Masterpiece, a song we have featured before in Who Did It Better for our June 17, 2021 episode, 1971, A Golden Anniversary. So no, even if you think it, you aren't seeing double. Back then, I asked you to choose between the band's studio album version off Cahoots or Dylan's studio album version from Greatest Hits Volume 2, both recorded and released in 1971. This time, your choices are Jerry Garcia and John Kahn, or the band, as recorded at Columbia Records celebrates the music of Bob Dylan, and later released on Bob Dylan, the 30th anniversary concert celebration. Listen to both, and then go to our Twitter page at Rain Trains and vote to tell us who did it better. Oh, the streets of Rome are filled with rubble. I 
I stood on a hilltop following a pack of wild geese. Someday everything's gonna be sweet like a rhapsody. Footprints are everywhere. You can all. 
most fame as you see in the road. On a cold, dark night on the Spanish air. Got to hurry on back to my hotel room. When I got me a date with a pretty little girl from Go to our Twitter page to vote and tell us who did When I Paint My Masterpiece Better Live. Jerry Garcia, minus Weir, Lesh, Kreutzmann, Hart, and Wellnick, but with John Kahn. Or the band, minus Richard Manuel and Robbie Robertson, but with Richard Bell and the house band of G.E. Smith, Donald Duck Dunn, Jim Keltner, and Randy Cerlanti. 
We've lost many of the performers who were on the Madison Square Garden stage 30 years ago. Here is a memorial garden remembering all 20 of them. Richard Bell, who you just heard playing accordion in When I Paint My Masterpiece, he was the pianist for the Full Tilt Boogie Band. He died in 2007. Johnny Cash, who died in 2003. At the time, Dylan wrote that Johnny was and is the North Star. You could guide your ship by him. The greatest of the greats, then and now. June Carter Cash, who passed away just before Johnny in 2003. Irish banjoist and singer Bobby Clancy, who he lost in 2002. Liam Clancy, his charismatic brother who died in 2009. Patty Clancy, their older brother, who died in 1998. Rick Danko, who once slapped me on the shoulder and gave me the greatest grin. He sailed away in 1999. Co-producer of the album of the event, as well as producer on Desire and Street Legal, Don DeVito, who died in 2011. Guitarist and former Dylan band member Cesar Diaz, who passed away in 2002, who was at the concert humbly helping out as a guitar tech for the house band, Booker T and the MGs. Donald Duck Dunn, bassist for said band, who passed away in Tokyo the evening after playing a gig with guitarist Steve Cropper and Eddie Floyd in 2012. Howie Epstein, bassist for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, who died of a heroin overdose in 2003. Nancy Griffith, the gentle Texan who left this world for other rooms in 2021. George Harrison, died just after September 11th, on November 29th, 2001. Dylan memorialized him as a giant, a great, great soul. The mesmerizing Richie Havens, who passed away in 2013, six years after appearing in I'm Not There. Levon Helm rambled off this mortal coil in 2012. Tommy Makem, formerly of Keedy, County Armagh, died in New Hampshire in 2007. The great Tom Petty left us too soon in 2017. Coming down is the hardest thing. Something that Lou Reed, who died in 2013, knew about. Reggie Young, guitarist for the Memphis Boys, who played guitar at the concert with Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson, passed away in 2019. And Johnny Winter, whose ripping version of Highway 61 Revisited you heard earlier, passed away in 2014 near Zurich after playing his final show in France. And that is our memorial garden for those who were involved in Columbia Records Celebrates the Music of Bob Dylan 30 years ago, who have since passed away. Memory eternal. Stay tuned to KEPW for Deadish, Searching for the Sound, where Jeff will play you some Grateful Dead and other Deadish music just not from the fall of 1992. If you'd like to hear more from Columbia Records Celebrates the Music of Bob Dylan, you can hear John Mellencamp's version of Like a Rolling Stone in last fall's November 11th, 2021's Bloomington episode of Hard Rain and Slow Trains, Bob Dylan and Fellow Travelers. Also, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers version of License to Kill was played in the October 29th, 2020 episode, All Those Who've Sailed With Me, Bob Dylan and His Bands, Part 3. You can look up those past episodes either on our Hard Rain and Slow Trains website or with whatever podcasting app you use. Let's go out tonight with the way the concert ended. Dylan, alone on stage, singing a song, then 30 years old, now 60 years old. And no, I don't have to say anything about Sinead O'Connor. If you're in the North Country Fair the winds hit heavy on the borderline Remember me to one 
who lives there She once was in true love of mine Did you go in the snowflake storm When the river's freezing summer in Say for me if she's wearing a coat so warm Keep her from the howling wind See for me if her hair is hanging long If it rolls and flows all down her breast See for me if her hair is hanging long That's the way I Remember her best Wondering if she remembers me at all Many times I've often prayed In the darkest of my night In the brightness of my day Traveling in the North Country Fair Where the winds in heavy on the borderline Remember me the one who lives there She once was a true love of mine
Okay, I will say something about Sinead O'Connor, or rather the crowd. Ladies and gentlemen, Sinead O'Connor. Were the people at the Garden aware of the irony of booing a performer off the stage at a Bob Dylan tribute concert? And Chris Christopherson might have said to O'Connor, don't let the bastards get you down, but I have to agree with O'Connor when she wrote in Rememberings, I feel like Bob Dylan is the one who should have come out and told his audience to let me sing. And I'm pissed that he didn't. So I glare at him in the wings as if he's my big brother who's just told my parents I skip school. He stares back at me, baffled. He's looking all handsome in his white shirt and pants. It's the weirdest 30 seconds of my life. Don't boo me anymore. Don't boo me. God, that booing, I can't stand it. <laughs> oh my God. It's hard to get in tune when they're booing. You know? Yeah, I can't get in tune at all when they're booing. I can't, I can't, uh, it, it, I can't uh, hear anything. I don't even want to get in tune. Jesus, you know, I don't understand why they, how can they buy the tickets up so fast?
don't know your answer already.